what it is. How's it going, everybody? Today, we're going to be talking about movie adaptations. We're going to be talking about all types of movies from the ones based off books to the ones based off comic books to the ones based off of Twitter threads and all the other different sources you could find. We're going to be talking about all the stuff, you know, how crazy it is, what makes them good, what makes them bad. So if you want to hear what we have to say, sit back, relax, grab a beverage, grab a snack and listen on in to the first ones to die. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to uh, The First Ones to Die. I am your host, Jerome. Uh, as you can tell, Jonathan's not here, or else he'd be doing this. Uh, he is currently out uh, doing very important things. Uh, some might even say it's very uh, top secret, classified, if you will. Um, so uh, we're not going to tell you. But just know he will be back next week. So if you're missing him, don't worry. Uh, he's still alive. Uh, but in the meantime, we do have uh, one of our consistent hosts, who's awesome, one Alex. <laughs> so, Alex, how you doing? I'm good. And I'm guessing you didn't really listen to last week's episode because he did say where he was going. To uh, see, I, I honestly did listen to it and I uh -huh, honestly forgot. I'm, I'm it's sure. been, I was out of town. No, it's fine. It's fine. You know, <laughs> one of the hosts doesn't really listen when he's not on it. Uh, but anyway, I'm doing good. My mom's in town right now. We just saw everything everywhere all at once and I really enjoyed it. There was something that really got me and um, if you want to see the movie spoiler alert, the hot dog finger thing that you... you I you know you can actually buy take them. It to, I don't want to buy them. Yeah, you can go to Who like uh, like A twenty four sells them. You can buy them <laughs> on their website and have hot dog fingers. Mom, I want to know what they feel like. You know you like. can buy the hot dog fingers. No, no, no. She says no. My mom said no. Uh, <laughs> I was a uh, LA drew. Uh, I was great. Um, it was a fantastic time. Uh, DC Comics, for those who don't know, uh, part of the Milestone Initiative, which is an initiative being done by DC Comics to help usher in the next generation of uh, BIPOC and uh, LGBT, really all uh, marginalized groups, creators into the comic book world. Um, they've been doing a great job. It's been a fantastic experience. Uh, so last week we did our Milestone Initiative Summit in person where we got to meet everybody, uh, mingle, collab with so many different uh, people and learn so much about the industry, but also get to meet all our classmates. So it was a fun time. I had a great time. My classmates, or are, are, are we keep calling ourselves a cohort, uh, are fantastic. I can't wait to see what all of them do in the future whether that be in comics or elsewhere um, and uh, vice versa. And uh, we just really supportive of each other. So it feels like a little family that we've cultivated um, through this program. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. Plus also got to spend time with Jonathan while I was in Burbank as well. So it was good to see him in person instead of over a virtual screen as I often do every week. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to go out. Speaking of cohorts, uh, we have an old cohort guest on today. <laughs> 
I don't think I said that word correctly, but go on. This is true. We have the return of one Kalen Knowles. Uh, for those who have been a longtime listeners, uh, you would recognize his voice. He was on our Falcon and Winter Soldier review. So, Kalen, how you doing? Welcome hey, back. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for adapting to the situation and having me on. <laughs> I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to have you. Hey, Appreciate yeah, glad it. to be here. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, I guess, uh, Kaylin's, uh, bad jokes has uh, allowed <laughs> us to segue into our topic for the day, um, which is adaptation. You know, we're talking about, uh, for those who don't know, we actually just had recently, or at least at the time of this recording, the most recent, um, adaptation movie to come out is a big one. It's Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which we will do a review for next week. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but in the meantime... Uh, we wanted to talk about adaptation and that sort of thing because it's like we seem to be getting a lot of adaptations more and more every year. And now with the theater starting to open back up, you know, given uh, the reactions to the pandemic and, you know, with the vaccine and everything out there, you know, a lot of those movies that got pushed back are starting to come back out. Movies that were new are starting to rise Heck, we finally saw the legendary uh, and uh, illustrious Avatar 2 trailer recently <laughs> <laughs> for the first time. Something I thought for sure didn't exist. So, you know, the, things are changing. And so I figured it'd be a great time for us to talk about that because um, we have never talked about it. So um, I will, uh, I guess I'll initiate to you guys with just a question of um, what are some of your favorite adaptations that we've gotten so far? And I'll start with Alex. Uh, well, I'm more focused always on the books to movies adaptations of things. Um, my One of my favorite movies is Hedgehacker's Guide to the Galaxy. One of the worst like adaptations ever on film. Uh, there were so many things missing. But at the same I, time... I have, I have many responses to that. I see you. I see <laughs> that you're getting all bouncy. Um... <laughs> But I still loved it. It was still, it was still one of my favorite movies. And even though the main character Arthur Dent was not in any way like the actual book version of Arthur Dent, I still liked it. But no, it was a terrible, terrible adaptation of it. Um, what, what do you have to say, Caitlin? It's you bouncing. Well, okay. So, just, just going back to the term adaptation, that's something I was thinking about when you asked me to be on this podcast is like when I think of an adaptation, I think of it's adapting like a singular work into onto the screen. So something like you mentioned the new Dr. Strange movie, I wouldn't really consider that an adaptation because there's no like Dr. Strange comic that it's specifically adapting, but what would I consider it? I I don't know. <laughs> so I'm fine calling it well, an adaptation. I, I think that's just an interesting like distinction to look at if it's adapting. Well, because I think of it thing. as an adaptation the same way, but it, only because it's it's pulling from different books. You know, with Doctor with comic book right. characters, there's so many books. It's hard to pick a singular one, and even when you do, like. You know, given Marvel's specific, Marvel is very specific because it's like it's a universe. So they're pulling from multiple stories and then trying to weave in other stories that aren't involving the character whose movie it is. 
so that it all ties together like mm-hmm. the comic books do. So it's a bit of a weird like gray area, but I still would consider that adaptation because it's a previously already existing character in a different medium being brought to a new medium, which is film. And TV. I, I can see what both of you are saying, but actually I'm kind of siding more with Kaylin because the Doctor Strange in the multi-universe madness is kind of more of a branch off of what the original adaptation was, which was like the Avengers or the, you know, individual movies they had with um, Captain America and Winter Soldier, the Iron Man. Those are kind of the adaptations. And then they grew into whatever nonsense is going on over here now. <laughs> because they've almost almost become their own characters. Kind of like when we were talking about uh, Spider-Man and how he originally didn't shoot webs from his arm or his wrist. Mm-hmm. And they adapted the comic books to fit the movie instead. So the comic books became their own adaptations of the movies. There's Shatter with his <laughs> raccoon butt. And, um, and, well, I will also, just going back to what you were saying, Alex, about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is that's one of my favorite adaptations, which, you know, is completely so goes against what I was just saying, because it's, you know, that's a several book series. <laughs> right, uh, but they really do only it, focus it, it on like, the main move, on the main book or the first yeah, book. Yeah, and it like... That was the other thing. So I was like, maybe if something is just like capturing the spirit of the original work, that's when I think it's like a good adaptation. Not necessarily like how exactly faithful it is, but that's like why I would consider Man of Steel to not be a good adaptation of the Superman character, because I don't think that movie harnesses the the nature of Superman as I know him to be in the comics. It's true. I've watched recently, I'm like my new thing, popcorn thing from YouTube is watching react channels in which the new thing for react before it was reactions to YouTube. And now it's react like the new reaction fad is people watching like popular movies for the first time or rewatching movies for the first time uh, or, or rather rewatching movies that they've only seen once. And so they're, they don't remember it very well. And uh, there was one where it was these this couple and they were watching Watchmen for the first time. But they've never read the book. They don't know the source material. <sighs> and so watching them like try and like figure out what's going on, but but because watch the Watchmen movie is missing so much of the subtext from the graphic novel, there's so much that they missed or were confused about of like, oh, are they superheroes? Maybe they have superpowers or whatever. I'm like, no, that's the problem. <laughs> They're not supposed to have superpowers. <laughs> but, you know, it's but it's it's the adaptation that it's the only one that exists. So that's what they and if you're only watching that, that's all you have to go off of. Um, yeah, but I was going to actually you actually were touched on something that I was going to lean into, which was. Um, as my next question, which was what makes a good or bad adaptation in you guys' opinions? Um, for me, it's always just been, I, I think for me, it, it's, it's uh, case by case. Cause like, I love, um, I love, uh, the dedication that goes into making something like Watchmen where it, that movie, despite like the subtext and the script not being there visually, it is the book. Like, Right. verbatim there are full shots in that movie that are just ripped from the panels of the graphic novel um and i do love stuff like that but then i also think about something like a jurassic park where that movie is nothing <laughs> like the book as far as story wise 
but it captures the spirit of Jurassic Park, which is why a lot of people still love it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you guys think as like makes a good or bad adaptation? I do think uh, just yeah, like harnessing the the character of the book is a good thing. I also I don't know, like with Miss Marvel coming up in the powers, she like stretches out and like turns big, but in the show, she just has like crystal forms around her hands, uh, which like. I'm open to, I'm open to that idea as someone who loves stretchy powers, I'm bummed to not see them, but like, as long as they keep her character and like that world the same, like, I don't really care if her powers are like a little different. I think, I think, yeah, it is just like a case by case basis where like, you can change, you know, this thing, as long as you get this thing, right. Or you can, you know, cut out that scene as long as you, or maybe that, whatever this hypothetical scene didn't really fit in, in the original story. Now that you've cut it out, like going back to Watchmen, the whole like ending with like a nuclear blast instead of a giant squid falling on the city, you know, some say that's a, that makes a little more sense to a general (laughs) audience. Yeah. Where would a giant squid come from? (laughs) Space. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. (laughs) thing. They like, they like make it using like actors and like, great effects and then they do like a bunch of other stuff it's a whole thing yeah. <laughs> it's very elaborate and the book even in the book like because the comic book like there's a lot of it's alan moore so it's always a lot of words but it and even in the book there's just a lot of words to explain this squid real quick <laughs> <laughs> right because it just if you're if you're not paying attention you would easily flip over and get to the end of the book and be like what the hell? There's a squid now? <laughs> Where'd the squid come from? Why is everyone dead? <laughs> what you guys read is quite interesting. Um, I think I think what you're right, Kaylin. It's a lot of those like there's important moments in like books, graphic novels, and things like that where you know it's important that everybody who's reading it knows the scene is important. And if you don't have those important moments, it kind of feels well, how did they get? How did the main character really get here? If you just took away all that, um, a horrible adaptation, and I think everybody can agree to this was Avatar: The Last Airbender. They took out yeah. basically everything. I mean, he got to the uh, the the water bending village on the other side of the world, basically, in like no time, and just like they took out everybody's personal growth, and they couldn't even say the characters' names correctly. So that was a horrible attitude. Also, being able to say the proper characters' names that's would important. be nice. Yeah, it feels like yeah. a character that's been said to me even in cartoons should probably be able to still say the name. So I think they took out such major moments of self-revelation and just real struggles that you know would have developed the main character into the person that you know you loved and who ended the story the way they did. You take that all out and then you're like, well... I know they wouldn't turn out this way because you took their challenges from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and also it's, it's a thing where, especially in the last airbenders case, you can tell they didn't have the budget to do what they needed to do. Because like, I remember watching that movie for the first time and they get to that, um, they do the earthbending story in which they find that village where all the firebenders are kidnapping the earthbenders. Um, to like make this village week and 
They do that scene in the, first of all, they failed in that, like, the story made sense in the cartoon because they take those earthbenders and put them on a ship in the ocean made of metal. <laughs> so it's like, they can't use their powers because they're nowhere near any earth. And the, what does the movie do? Oh, they're in a prison camp on the ground. It's like, okay, they could, so they can break out at any time if they really wanted to. <laughs> They're just so demoralized. And, but even then, when they do break out, it takes six men to earthbend one little rock, like one rock, and then launch it. And the seventh person to launch it into the firebender person. And I remember watching the movie being like, in the cartoon, it takes one person and they could like tear down an entire city. <laughs> Toph <laughs> ends up being power. like a metal bender because of right. like, the strength Toph and power. Right, is incredible. Boomy, before that, before we even get to Toph, Boomy can like destroy an entire nation if he wanted There's to. There's literally a character <laughs> called Boulder because he can move boulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that's something that studios are learning is to not try and adapt something long form into something short form. Because like, that's not going to do anyone any favors. It's not going to, you're not going to have the time. Yeah. But, like, you're not going to have the time to get, like, to do it justice enough so that the money you think you could make, you'll actually make. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it'll do a disservice to, like, if you do have, like, a passionate director who does love the the story, but they don't have the budget to make it the way they want to see it. So they just got to make do. And then it's like, and then they get a lot of hate because. <laughs> It's like, well, your movie sucked. It's like, it's not my fault. The producers didn't give me no cash <laughs> to make the movie. That's true. <laughs> I think I think a lot of the times the adaptation falls within the budget. They try so hard to focus, like, with the horrifying movie Cats. <laughs> uh, they blew the bu- they blew the budget on the they didn't you know, blow the, the budget they just had a bad idea because <laughs> they had the money they could have done a thousand other things they spent it they, all they, they spent, spent it all on it. actors nobody decided to spend it on actual background everything looked like it was on green screen the actors were wonderful they knew how to sing they knew how to dance but also the sizing placement was wrong like suddenly there's tiny as like a fork on a dinner table, but like pearls were big enough for her to wear or small enough. It was a weird thing. She's suddenly the size of a trash can, but tinier. Than- so like they didn't think yeah. everything through there. That was also a bad adaptation. That was disturbing. That whole movie. <laughs> yeah, which adaptations of, because we, we talked about like adaptations of books, but adaptations of like other mediums, like is, is where it gets really finicky for me. Because I think about like people when they try to make adaptations of like musical stage musicals stage plays um or even like stuff like video games it's just like all right now you're kind of stretching it because half of what makes a musical really cool is that like is the stage presence it's the it's the like how they maneuver around the stage like i i would probably buy tickets to see a movie version of hamilton but I don't know if I'll enjoy it the same way I enjoy Hamilton because Hamilton on the stage is impressive because of how they maneuver on the stage and how they tell the story versus in a movie, I'm just watching The Patriot, but with hip hop and dancing, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> it's just going to be people in 1776 costumes busting out raps and R&B jams. <laughs> it's not going to be the same. <laughs> Yes, but in this one, you'll actually see a black person. 
That's the thing too, is like, also I'm like, I'm not prepared to, to see a whole bunch of forums of white people be like, why is George Washington played by a black man? That's not accurate. <laughs> I will say when, so one of the first musical adaptations I saw was Chicago way back when I was in high school. And I really liked that movie. And I think part of the success was whenever they would like break into song, they would be like on a set. And it was basically like you were watching a stage musical, just filmed a little more interestingly. Um, so, yep, that's my thoughts on musicals. I think that's a, that's a good like concept. It's kind of like, uh, what's that? What's a dream within a dream? Inception. Inception, thank you. Oh. Kind of like an Inception. You're watching the play in the movie at home. Right. Um, I think they did really well with Mamma Mia which is a movie based off a play, which is based off the album of singers. <laughs> yeah. So Abba. that's out of, yeah, Abba. <laughs> so, and I loved Mamma Mia. Pierce Brosnan cannot sing Here whatsoever. And I love that in Mamma Mia. No, in Mamma Mia too, they fixed that. They gave him like word singing and he only had like two lines. <laughs> but even with that terrible singing, I loved that movie, Mamma Mia. But you know um, what though? I think that was well done. Well, the problem, the thing about the musical adaptations, because me and Jonathan talked about this um, on a episode way back when. I think it was our Rising Genre episode. Um, but the idea that, like, the problem of why musicals, like, movie musicals don't really get the same level of fanfare as, like, a stage musical is because the story isn't quite there. Like, that's an, uh, like that's the other thing, too, is, like, stage musicals, it's because it's on the stage like there's more aspects that you're admiring past just the visual of like you know you're admiring the music you're admiring the dance you're admiring the ensemble how it all ties together moving around the sets you know the stage presence all that stuff goes into factor the we're watching all the movie. actors remembered all of their lines all at yeah. once <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> it's like but versus like a movie, uh, like how we consume movies is not the same way we consume stage performances. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like movie musicals get hard, like get more harsh critique for that exact reason. So it's like if it's based off a musical that has a pretty lame story, but great music, a lot of people will be like, eh, it was I like it wasn't all that. <laughs> it's just like. Okay, but the music, song, and dance was awesome. Yeah, but I really like the story, so I don't care. And it's just like, and then it'll just be thrown to the wayside in like a pile of other movie musicals that's over there somewhere. Well, that's kind of like you're basically describing like a Transformers movie. It's like the story was really dumb, but like some people like watching the robots. Like, see, but the, here's the the difference is with the Transformers <laughs> movies is that you don't like if you you know if you're a fan of In the Heights and you go see the movie. In the Heights, you're gonna get In the Heights. If you're a fan of the Transformers cartoons and then you go watch any of the Michael Bay Transformers movies, you are not gonna get the Transformers cartoon. You are gonna get some madman's like fever dreams in which metal has come to life and become monsters. I will. <laughs> those poor kids who just went to see the first one. Uh, I was one of those kids. I remember seeing that trailer. <laughs> see, I, I was trailer. one of the kids like, ooh, robots. 
that trailer came out late at night on Adult Swim, and I saw it, and I was just like, "Ooh, Transformers!" And then I saw the, I saw the first frame of Megatron in the trailer, and I was like, "That's not Megatron! What the heck is this?" <laughs> I will say sometimes the adaptations having a bigger budget will ruin the film because. Uh, going back to the play thing real quick, Jonathan was in a play, play called Paperless, and their only set was, like, a desk chair. But it was such a good play, and again, the actors remember every line. That's crazy to me. was so well done, there's only six members in the cast. It was an adaptation of Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth. And it was so well done. And I can't imagine a movie or even a TV show version of that. Because they would have constant set design, so things are switching. So you're more focused on the broom they're in. You're more focused on where they are at the time or, you know, what's going around. So it does add sometimes more when plays don't need to have more. They can just have this set and work, do so much with it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's too much going on. Like within the Heights, they kept changing locations and you had to figure out what location they were in. What was going out? What happened during the blackout? Who was where? So it was a lot of jumping back and forth when a play... In the musical, you can just have this one set and know where everything is here. You don't have to think about where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. It's only like one plot, and it's always in front of you, the plot you need to focus on. So yeah, sometimes like musicals and play adaptations, I can see where they fail because of too big of a budget. I don't know what was Cats then. If Cats had the budget, and apparently, yeah, I don't know I what happened Cats there. Because Cats had the budget, but their idea... Cause- to do all them CG cat people and everything, that is a lot of money. So it's like they had the budget, Nightmare. they just had a terrible idea. Cause realistically, they should have done what Steven, Steven Spielberg wanted to do cats um, way back. Uh, he wanted to do an adaptation of cats for the screen, but his version was gonna be animated. He's gonna have animated cats, like kind of like sense. 2D. I think it was 2D animation. You can find some like concept for it. That I would have watched. It would have been cool. It wouldn't have had the same fanfare because, you know, no one would have been like physically dancing and stuff like in the play. But for the screen, it would have made more sense (laughs) if you're not going to do just a live version of the play, which they already had a film version of anyway. So it's like Mm -hmm. there was already a movie version of Cats. It was just a recording of the performances. Um, So if you're going to do something different, animation was probably the way to go, to be honest, because... Do you think animation would have helped all those like video game movies do better? Like I remember Doom with the Rock. That was bad. I mean, even a person who doesn't play the video games, that was also just a bad movie because they. Well, yeah, that was just a bad movie in general. Like, take the video game out of it; it's still trash. Like, yeah. Well, (laughs) because they did everything like first person. I was like, well, this is kind of making me a little nauseous. The way you whip around all of a sudden. (laughs) Gummy worms. Video games, I think, have a harder. Like doing video game adaptations has a harder uh, or a taller order than I think any of the adaptations does because like most video game, because I was watching a person talk about it, they're like, most video games don't have a great story, but that's because you are a part of the story. Like nothing happens unless you push some buttons and move the joystick (laughs) around. Like until you do that, there is no story. Like the story ends when you stop playing or until you see the credits. So it's like, that's already hard enough. And then you're trying to make a like third person experience of a movie, of a video game that I'm like, I'd rather be playing most of the time. Most video game adaptation movies I watch, most of the time I'm like, I would rather be home with a controller in my hand playing this as opposed to just watching it on screen right now. 
What was Arcade? Arcade was a Arcane. Yeah. Yeah, that oh. was um. That was League of Legends. League of Legends. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think gonna... like that was. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I think it was just kind of like set in the world of League of Legends. So there were like species from it. I don't know that any of those characters were like established. In oh, no, they League are. Of Legends. Like the they main are? character. Okay. Those main characters are all playable characters, but League of Legends. Those that's probably the one. Those are the ones that can get away with it. Overwatch, League of Legends, Apex, like the ones that are just the hero games right now, where it's just you have a series of characters, but all like, but the gameplay is not has nothing to do with their backstory, who these people are, or anything like that. Is probably the few who can get away with it because none of that stuff's in the game, like. In League of Legends, when you play League of Legends, like you can read their backstory, but you don't get to see any of it. You yeah. just get to read it. So <laughs> their benefit was, well, we've never told this story before, so we could just tell it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, why I'm, that's why I'm so curious about what the Super Mario movie is going to be. Right. Because those story, those you didn't like the no first story. adaptation of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, no, I did not. I, You're but, not missing yeah, much. I don't. I'm. I'm so. <laughs> is it? I, I can't. Yeah. I'll, what do you? What is your idea? What do you think they're going to try to do? Because I recall from the one in back in the early '90s, they had the two plumber brothers and Princess Peach, or the girlfriend Peach, just got kidnapped, but she kind of didn't look like a princess at all. Well, first of all, actually, in the movie, they kidnapped Princess Daisy, not Princess Peach. (laughs) It was uh, introduced in uh, Super Mario Land for the Game Boy in 19... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Forget who I'm talking to. Super Mario Land has the best theme. I don't care what anybody says. I love the Super Mario Land soundtrack. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, I, I can only imagine... (laughs) <laughs> but anytime I try and think about it, I'm like, okay, like Shigeru Miyamoto, who like oversees all the Super Mario games, is also like very involved in the movie. And like, I feel like, I don't know, like the Japanese story sentimentality doesn't match like current, like, like this is made by this studio that made the Minions movie. So like, oh. I feel like he's not going to let them just do like a bunch of like fart jokes He's gonna. There's gonna be Wait, like. So is it animated or is it like live the, action? The new one is animated. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I was okay, worried I like when they were like, "We hired Chris Pratt." I'm like, <laughs> "Chris Pratt." Okay, are y'all making the same mistakes? Are y'all gonna do another live action Mario? And we're gonna see Chris Pratt walking around, like jumping on if, mushrooms. If it was live action, Keegan Michael Key would not be playing Toad. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the tallest Toad that's ever existed. If this was live action with him as Toad and Chris Pratt as Mario jumping on Toad, like, I would probably grab an edible and head straight to the theater. That sounds like a great time. Also, those casting choices reminded me of when they were like, yeah, Danny DeVito's playing Pikachu in <laughs> Detective Pikachu. And I was like, why is anyone asking for Danny DeVito to play this character? Then, but at the time, I didn't know that Detective Pikachu, the game... 
he does sound like Danny DeVito. I'm not going to lie. I'm like they have, the Pikachu in that game talks and he sounds exactly like a New Yorker. Like that's how he sounds. I'm, I'm Pikachu. And that's, that's his character. That's his voice in the game. Why does Pikachu sound like he's going to mug me or sell me pizza like five times the price? That's how he sounds in the game. And so I was like, oh, never mind. Actually, y'all are right. Y'all are spot on to get, try and get there. But then they went with Ryan Reynolds, um, which he did a good job. Yeah. But <laughs> if I see Pikachu, I hear Ryan Reynolds' voice. I more so than anything. Me, I'm not I'm like all about just the idea of um the Japanese OVAs they've done for Pokemon where the Pokemon just sound like animals. They don't mm-hmm. even do the 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 like thing where they say their name like how Pikachu says, you know, Pika Pika, Pika, Pika. like that's an American thing. In the in Japan, they were just animals, and then when they brought it over to the states, is when they started adding that aspect where they say their name. Wouldn't the animals just be growling then? Or yeah, they just growl because in the game they just growl. They don't say anything. They just growl when you run into them. They either growl. Animal is a normal cat. He doesn't make like fun sounds. <laughs> Look at that. Like well, when you the would, be, they, would they be a terrible like Pokemon. Don't don't doesn't each Pokemon have like its own like little call? It's just kind of, but it sounds like an actual like animal growl or something (laughs) like or like a bird call or something like that. They don't they don't like when you run into a wild Pikachu in the tall grass, it doesn't go Pika Pika like it goes. What if you run into like like, a a cloister or whatever? They're not they don't roar. They're like a clam. What what about that Pokemon (laughs) that's all rocks? Yeah. What kind of sound would an all rock? Listen, I'm not saying I know what they would sound like. I'm just saying I'm just that saying, like, I can when see they, why it wasn't as asinine when <laughs> when they made the original games Rude. until Americans like got involved and then they had to get stupid. Because it's like, why does Mr. Mime just say Mr. Mime all the time? <laughs> <laughs> he should be growling. <laughs> that would be weird. I think he would. I'm pretty sure the Japanese are probably just like he talks like a normal dude. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> he just says, "Hi, how's it going?" My name is Mister Mike. I feel like a lot of them are gonna hiss at me, and I'm not gonna enjoy that. Probably not gonna want to. I'm not gonna want to catch something that's hissing at me and growling at me. Now, granted, it probably would start to get a little crazy once we hit the like. I forget what gen it was, but the gen when they clearly ran out of ideas, where Pokemon were all anything from a lamp to a key ring to a washing machine to a bag <laughs> of trash. Literally, it was just one of them was just a bag of trash. And then his evolve form, you would think, okay, he's a bag of trash. Maybe he evolves into something like really cool or interesting. No, he just evolves into that bag of trash being ripped open and the trash is now formed into an even bigger monster. So he's just more trash. I more disturbing. don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, I don't you, believe you either. Look up Trubbish right now. Pokemon. His name is Trubbish. His name too? is Trubbish. That's the that's the like base version of Pokemon. Uh, the Pokemon is Trubbish, and then okay, he evolves. I forget what he evolves into, but he becomes like a bigger bag of trash. I mean, I don't. Uh, okay, I guess I see it. If you introduced <laughs> me to that, I would not say that was a bag of trash, but. Okay, I guess he is. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely a bigger trash because all they did was take the word rubbish and add a <laughs> T in front of it, and now he's a Pokemon. All right, he does look like a bag of trash. I'll give you that. 
I don't know what's going on. He looks like he has moldy cookies for hands or something. Bulbapedia says he's a Pokemon which resembles a full dark green garbage bag with a knot at the top. So that doesn't mean that he is a garbage bag. Okay, what do you, how do you explain the one that's a key ring? I forget its name even. That one's just well, a key just ring. A key. Just you can't excuse that one. One's an ice cream cone. I can see the ice cream cone being a Pokemon, but not a bag of trash. <laughs> oh, he has a base friendship of 70. I don't know if that's good or not. I, I, I play Pokemon Go, but that's as far as I go. Uh, surprisingly, though, speaking of adaptation, that was one I actually enjoyed. I enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I thought it was actually pretty good. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because I was like, this is stupid. Why am I going to this? And then it was so adorable with him in his little hat. I was like, damn it, I really like it. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, was in Japan when that movie came out and I watched it in Japan and was introduced to the weird cultural uh, characteristic behavior uh, where in Japan you just stay like... You just sit in the theater through all of the credits as they roll. Like nobody got up to leave at all. Which, it's like, you know, sometimes in a Marvel movie, you want to stay till the end to see like the secret scene. But even then, some people leave. But but yeah, even that, like, left. it's it's probably really? a different thing though, because probably in Japan it's just like a respect thing. Versus in the states, it's it's incentive. It's like, what's at the end of this movie? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there's nothing, people leave all disappointed, like, oh, there's nothing at the end. Like, yeah, because the movie ended. So That's much. what the credits were for. The movie's over. Why would you just automatically <laughs> assume that every movie has something at the end? That's a specialty thing. I hate the mo- I hate the people who say it at the end of the theater. But then I did it one time when I stopped working at the theater. I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay behind now. I'm going to be that person. <laughs> um, I got my revenge in a stupid, stupid, tiny little way. <laughs> I, you know, with another theater. Interesting too is like all the like video game adaptations. I, I think I just want them to stop. Like, because you asked if they if it'd be better them animated. I think a lot of them it would be, or at least they'd avoid some of the tr- pitfalls they fall into because a lot of times they want to adapt video games that take place in like a fantastical world. But then they'll just take like the main character and be like, yeah, we could do the fantastical world they're from and, you know, do the games. Or how much fun would it actually be to see this fantastical character in New York City <laughs> hanging out with like Blake Lively oh. or something? That would oh, be like cool, the, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like the movie um, Enchanted. Right. That's but, what they did. They brought uh, Cinderella. <laughs> Well, Enchanted was its own thing. It was its own movie. So that was the fun of Enchanted. it was still an adaptation because they were bringing... Well, I mean, they were playing off the tropes of princess movies, but that princess and all of her characters, those are all made for that movie. I'm on Jerome's side here. (laughs) I still say it's a kind of an adaptation because you were bringing... Because you're right, it's the tropes, but they were bringing still that style into the middle of New York City and being like, hey, what would happen if Prince Charming, which Prince Charming is like called in every single story, basically, he's Prince Charming, was brought in and how he would be breaking out into song in inappropriate places and getting run over by bicycles. See, but I think of like Enchanted the same way I do like Cool World, where Cool World is its own thing. Like they don't 
pull in any, at least I don't, if I remember correctly, they don't pull in a whole bunch of cartoon. Have you seen Cool World? I'm trying to think of Cool World. No, I don't cool think of Cool Brad Pitt. Yeah, Cool World is a movie with Brad Pitt in it, uh, in which this oh. uh, comic book creator is like been making comic books in prison. Little does he know that that world is real and um like in the like that came out somewhere around the time uh who framed roger rabbit yeah yeah. and i was a big roger rabbit fan more than i was a full world i thought that's because cool roger rabbit did it better well also roger rabbit a appealed to more people because it was like cartoon characters from like all like a bunch of places that you knew but also b cool world was Roger Rabbit for adults, because the main villain is like a seductress who's like scantily clad the entire time. Like she. I'm sorry, not- you're cool with like the hu- the main villain getting steamrolled and then his eyes popping out, and he does a where he pops and his eyes gets that was that is not for children. I'm just saying it's like young kids, kids will know like who. I, although then again, Jessica Rabbit isn't <laughs> Roger yeah, Rabbit, so that's I don't know. It balances out. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just I just am tired of that trope of like constantly or more specifically, just more specifically with the video game stuff, like. Because even with like cartoons, like okay, sure, because they're about to do another um, a Rescue Rangers movie. In which that's the premise, is that Chip and Dale are in the real world, and all the other cartoon characters like Peter Pan and um, MC's Gat Cat and all these other cartoon characters also are in the real world. And like their cartoons were always like, were like the equivalent of their movies. Like they just film those films, but then they exist in the real world as uh, just characters. Well, I think there's a difference between like this upcoming chippendale and like roger rabbit where it's it's not like the real world because it's like a toontown oh yeah there there is kind of like a fictional element to it whereas Mm -hmm. opposed to like i don't know like sonic the hedgehog is more like sonic adaptation of like roger rabbit say it again because isn't that still an adaptation of roger rabbit of how he's interacting with what if he was interacting with people of our world well that's that's an idea an adaptation of Roger Rabbit would be if Roger Rabbit was the main character and we're doing another Roger Rabbit movie. But the idea of taking a cartoon character and putting them in the real world or even in like a toon world type scenario, that's like just that's just an idea yeah. that a lot of movies have done <laughs> with or without that character. Uh, I feel what? like you have a lot of restrictions on what is adaptation. Adaptation. <laughs> well, because adi- I said that word too many t- times now. <laughs> well, because adaptation is just like taking something that already existing. exists and yeah. and taking it and putting it in a new medium. So, if like for example, Roger Rabbit's a movie, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? If they made a comic book based off of the movie, that would be an adaptation of Roger Rabbit as a comic book. Or and even if by- they were like Roger Rabbit short cartoons before the movie existed, then the movie would be a Roger Rabbit adaptation of that character, even if it's not of that those stories. Right. So there has to be some adjustment to the main character or the main focal point of the story to be considered an adaptation. Well more just that it's kind taking of. it's taking something that existed as a different version of itself and do changing it into something else. So like how Last Airbender was originally Avatar Last Airbender 
a cartoon, 2D cartoon completely. Now it's been adapted into a live action movie with real people. I can kind of see what you're saying, but at the same time, I still think that may be one because he was thrust into a whole new. I understand he was still cartoon, but he was still thrust into this whole new world. So the environment in the background was changed for him. Well, that's the thing that I mean, at least I don't know because I'm actually going to preface this by saying I'm not sure. But to my knowledge, Roger Rabbit, that movie, uh, char- the character Roger Rabbit is the original character in that movie. He did not pre-exist before that film came out. But the other cartoon characters he interacts with, like Mickey Mouse and uh, the Penguins from like Fantasia, like or from Mary Poppins and all those characters, they existed. But the main character and Jessica Rabbit too didn't exist before that, that movie. Kaylin, you were about to say something before I interrupted you. Just Sorry. that I agree with Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> and they did they did make Roger Rabbit cartoons after that movie came out that they put in front of like VHS tapes. Uh, but yeah, I'm 99% sure you know the Roger Rabbit. Next time I pick the guest. <laughs> All right. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, but at I, that I, point, I just, you're not picking just... a guest. You just want someone to agree with you. <laughs> I would just like somebody on my side for one. Uh, the, I... the, the Witcher. The Witcher is a book and a game, but I don't know. And a TV I think show. the sh- Yeah, I think the. A what? And a TV show. Oh, that's right. They had a show back. Uh, Poland had one. Did they have well. another one? Oh. Uh, Poland originally had one back in early 2000s, I believe. So the gotcha. book was changed into uh, a video game, then a show in Poland, and then The Witcher now on Netflix with Henry Carville. Exactly. Yeah. So that one's also a good one because I believe The Witcher, the Netflix series, is focused more on the books so they're all just really coming from the books yeah the only one that's a little different is the video game the video game takes place after the books so they kind of just took the world but they're made up their oh, own story. i didn't know that yeah that's why a lot of people because like for example in the third game siri is an adult and she's got witcher powers and she or she is a witcher and she's just out doing stuff but that they made that decision so you could play as siri in the video game but those who are fans of the books are like that's weird because i don't think she grows up in the books she just like stays a kid um at least the current books we have so far i don't know if they're making more currently because i don't read the the witcher series no dude the author made them quite a bit ago i think she's just done with the witcher series it's completed. I mean, the characters who pass, pass, and, you know, the story is completed. To add more to the series book would be, I feel like, a little insane, because they were well-written. I've gone through the first two, and they are really good. The first one drags a little bit, and I think that one's the Blood of the Elves. Is or? it because the... Because I heard the first yeah, one is, like, a little hard to get through because it's it's not a complete book. It's a series of stories involving... The Witcher world I, and characters. I wouldn't say that, but it's a heavily introduction book. Like it is straight. This is like intro. This is where you meet all the characters, and that's it. Hmm. It's not really an adventure. There's not. There's a lot of talking going on, and you know, getting acquainted with each other. So that one's definitely an intro book. But you definitely have to read that book to understand the other one. So you can't skip it, even though it's just like an introduction. Gotcha. Um, 
But the second one was so much better. There was so much more action. She she writes amazingly. And if I could pronounce her name, I would. <laughs> um, but I do have a book close by. Um, I'll put it on the screen. Yeah. But yeah, so I know that one. That one, it's amazing that The Witcher can be changed into a video game and then into two different series that are much different, apparently, from what I've heard. Or people have said on TikTok how it's so much different from the one that was in Poland to the one that's on Netflix. Yeah, and I hear that the one on Netflix is pretty faithful. It's not like beat for beat, but most of the stuff that happens in the story or, or happens in the series does happen in the books as it happened in the series. Um, that may also mainly be due to Henry Cavill because Henry Cavill's a huge – well, he's just a huge nerd in general. But <laughs> but he's a huge – He's a witch- literal huge nerd. That's true. Uh, but he's <laughs> he's a uh, huge Witcher nerd. Like he loves the books. Uh, in fact, there, there's been reports that he would argue with the director and producers <laughs> for like, chain, like, for, like uh, scenes they wrote into the story that he's like, no. That's not how that would go down. I've read the books. What would happen is this thing. <laughs> and and they've been like, okay, Henry, if that's what you want to do, cool, all right. Which it's really well done because in in from what I've already read so far, from what it almost seems, if the show was probably trying to go the route they would have wanted, The Witcher would have probably been really closed off and all of a sudden he's all sweet and humble and like, oh, this is my daughter. But the books, it is a gradual change. And in the show, you can see that gradual change where he's like finally claiming her and then having these soft moments where he's like, ah, she's not mine. And somebody wants to take her. And he's like, don't touch her. But he's still not willing to like call him, call her his daughter. And then it's gradually like, yeah, she's mine. Get away. She's my child. So like he helped do it well that it was a gradual change through just one season, too, which is surprising. Because I haven't gotten it fully in the books yet because I'm only on book two or three. So already seeing that he was able to help probably keep that progression because in stories and in shows and movies, they do that flip so quickly. Like all of a sudden the character that was supposed to be closed off, gruff and rough, is now sweet and, you know, warm and cuddly. And it's like, no, you just like fought a guy (laughs) one episode ago for no reason. And now you're like the warm father. That doesn't work that way. Yeah, I was saying, like, I was going to ask, uh, and uh, to piggyback off of that, the idea that because I'm thinking about you bringing up the father daughter thing, I'm thinking about they're supposed to be doing a show on HBO for The Last of Us, and I'm not excited to see it, despite the fact <laughs> that I, I love The Last of Us one and two. Um, I don't care what anybody says about two; I like two, um, but I, I, I don't trust them to make the show and not fall into doing a whole bunch of tropes because half of the fun and the beauty of the story of the first game is that a you know it's a really great story with joel and ellie but also you're playing as joel so the connection is that much deeper because you are essentially being that father role um throughout the story versus We've gotten, you know, there was a time when like the whole father adoptive daughter story was like a fresh thing. But now it's like every, like every year now we've gotten at least three or four movies (laughs) that's hard and badass gets, you know, lost orphan girl and becomes a dad (laughs) (laughs) who has to like protect her. And so it's like. Logan, right? Wolverine. Logan did Mm -hmm. it. 
Uh, we've gotten The Witcher now. Uh, um, I, I want to say there's a Liam Neeson movie where that's a plot <laughs> somewhere. I think so, too. I was just thinking Liam Neeson for some weird reason, too. Um, but I'm like, he wasn't in the one I was thinking uh, about. Slight spoilers for Doctor Strange. He gets a little, like, teenage girl sidekick who's got no family. Like, like he, it's just, it's becoming a it, thing. It, it, might, it might be more said to um, the writers that are coming into frame, you know, that maybe in a connection to a lot of this generation... They're looking for a, a authoritarian authoritarian figure that actually praises them. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, when they're able to better connect with the situation that's going on because they never really received that, so that might just be a a mental check on well, it's <laughs> the just, generation that's coming into right. It's just right. The, that the Last of Us is like the reason that story is so connected for a lot of people is because you're playing the story. If I just watch, I've tried because I've watched people play The Last of Us. And even then, if it was just the playthrough and I got no pieces of that person's experience, like being like playing the game, getting to see their reaction to like the big moments, stuff like that, I'd be bored because it's like I've seen this movie like a thousand times already. There's so many stories right now that we've gotten just in the past five years, let alone like since like the 80s where I think right. that trope really popped up is like so it's like that's a that story's a dime a dozen. The only thing that made it special in Last of Us is because you were playing the game. So it's like. Like my question out of all of that, <laughs> off of that tangent, <laughs> is how faithful do you think adaptation should be though? Because at the end of the day, like I'm not going to enjoy it for that, but that's just my filmmaking like brain thinking versus like someone who's probably ever never played the game or they have played the game and that is what they want. Like, is that fair? Like it's an adaptation of this game, so it stands to reason it should be that story verbatim but on screen well for me personally i do have i don't have the video game one but i do have the book reference one uh good omens and i love that book i read that book quite a few times before i even knew there was a tv series coming out and i was watching some interviews with neil gaiman and he's like there were times they wanted us to change uh points of the story like when uh the bookstore in the book in the story gets blown up they told him, hey, it's less money if we just don't blow it up and there's a small fire. And he thought about what Terry, uh, Pritchett? Pratchett. Pratchett. Terry Pritchett? Pratchett. 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 I feel like it's Pratchett. <laughs> it's Terry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, who, who also wrote good omens with him. He, he's like, I heard his voice in my head being like, you're going to let them ruin our book like this you're gonna let them destroy like that you know how important this scene is so he's like no i want to blow up the building but they did change the ending in the show and i love the ending in the show so much more so i think you can tell when certain plot points in the show are really important important to authors and the creators that are fine and then sometimes they do change them that ends up fitting really well so i think you have to have the heart of the story like secured in the book and when that bookstore blew up you saw the pain of that one character at the thought of losing another character you got to feel it as he's standing in the flames and he's like 
begging, no, not him, not him, let him live. You got to feel that pain. So I think when it comes to like the really emotional parts and the really parts that, you know, you felt yourself being pulled into the story. The ending, unfortunately, in the book wasn't very good. It kind of just ended. This one gave more and left you wanting more. And there's a season two coming out. I'm so excited. And Neil Gaiman was super, you know, involved in the creative process of this adaption. And he's actually has a new one coming out soon, Sandman on Netflix. And I'm reading the comics. I'm at number six. I'm so excited. Can't wait. And that's another adaption that I'm really excited for. But I think with Good Omens, they did it really well. And the slight changes they did do weren't that noticeable. But you felt the love of the characters and how intertwined they were. I think, again, it's that whole jumping too quick, like with the father daughter thing, all of a sudden I'm their father. Like, no, it doesn't have that that way. You need these moments where you have that protectiveness of the character. You feel like they lost the character and they feel that pain so they can express it properly. And so you can also feel it with them. So I think that's how, with, at least from my point of thought. I think it's also really something to take into consideration is how like popular the original book is or source material. Um, Cause like my favorite movie of all time is the iron giant, which is based off of a collection of short stories called the iron man. And there's, I mean, those are, they're almost like folktale and there's just like no, connection between the movie and that book other than there's I was a about giant to say was it about an alien robot <laughs> <laughs> I like I think his hand pops off at one point which also happens in the movie but like it's so the, the connection is so tenuous uh I do yeah you just have to like is the source material I mean in that instance I don't know why they decided to like they just claim that. that they were adapting that book. They could have been like, yeah, we're doing the Iron Giant. It's about a giant <laughs> robot. That's not a copyrightable idea. Uh, so, yeah. Also, I've never heard of the books for the Iron Man or the Iron Giant. So that's also, yeah, you're right. It's not popular. They didn't need to tie themselves to that. Right. Yeah. And that's well, that was something that came to mind with... Um, what was that? It was a movie that came out on IMAX. It was an adaptation of a video game, and it starred The Rock. I know that's like oh, four Rampage. movies. <laughs> Rampage, yeah. which is just like it was the same kind of idea. It's like wait, that you, was a video game? Yeah. yeah, and it was just like a it, giant monster movie is like a generic enough well, idea. Why, the game, why did you pay money to like get the license? Because the for game, this game is just you play as four one of four monsters, one of which is a gorilla, <laughs> a wolf. I forget the other two, and then you just smash buildings to get points. That's the game. That's yeah. it. I, That's all there I is. I didn't know that was a game. I want to play that now. <laughs> I love you, that movie. It, it was terrible. Too. It wasn't great, but it no, was, it was, not it was great. so fun movie. <laughs> I, that's where I put it out because it was at the time me and Jonathan were really into The Walking Dead. Uh, Morgan, what's his name? Dean Morgan? Morgan Dean? Oh, Jeffrey Dean know. Morgan. Jeffrey D. Morgan, he has a lean to him. He literally leans backwards when he talks, and like he's going at like an almost a ninety or degree angle. That, I don't know if that's his normal walking stance, but that was the way no, he that wanted is. to play Negan, where he kept leaning all the time. Right? Like, no, but I used to watch him. <laughs> I used to watch him in Supernatural too. He has a lean to him, a natural lean, 
and he just does that. Well, and I think with Negan, d- he does accentuated he? I, in Watchmen, he doesn't lean. In Supernatural, he does. <laughs> and in Rampage, he does. So I got two. Is what he in Rampage? <laughs> yeah. I have honestly, I mean, I have forgotten almost every frame of that movie. The only <laughs> things I remember are the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson's on screen with a big albino gorilla. That's, that's pretty much it. And there's a, like a wolf that flies. Like that's, that's about Oh, it. World of Warcraft, they got a movie ad- adaption, didn't they? You know what's funny too about World of Warcraft is that they were, because I, I remember for the longest time I was like, if you're going to do the game, just do the game. And World of Warcraft was like, don't worry, my boy. We got you. And they did. Like, that movie is just the game <laughs> from start to finish. <laughs> and people still didn't watch it. Like, even fans didn't even get enough World of Warcraft, did not come and watch that movie, which I was like, that's a damn shame. <laughs> like, they gave you exactly what you wanted, and y'all still didn't support this movie. <laughs> I think I recall Kaylee watching it, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, how was it? She's like, I watched it because it was free. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. That's all the review I got. Yeah, which we got more video game adaptations coming too. Because it's like they got, uh, I think the Bioshock movie is finally, I think they said they finally got a script for it. Um, hmm. Which I've always said, it's Bioshock's doable. I've always said just do Titanic, but in Bioshock. Because, you know, there's no, much like all the hero movies, like Arcane and stuff, like, we don't know what happened to Rapture. We haven't seen it anyway, visually, what happened to Rapture before the first game, like how it fell into disarray and madness. So that could be the movie. It'd be fun. It'd be a horror film, or you could make it like a, a tragedy, tragic romance. Either way, it'd probably be interesting to see. Um, Speaking of... Uh- video game adaptations i do have to give a shout out to a new netflix show called battle kitty which is not a video game adaptation but feels like it because it <laughs> feels like you're playing a video game when you watch it which is an experience i've never had before i've only ever had that experience don't like... one other time and it's when i watched hardcore henry oh, okay yeah, i want to hear, hear more about battle kitty is it kitties it's a, it's about a kitty and an orc, and they fight monsters. Uh, and it's late. It's it's a Netflix interactive, so you have to like play it on a computer or a TV that supports oh. that. But it's it's not like choose your own adventure. You just have to like like as you watch episodes, you unlock new ones, which is a very minor distinction. Interesting. But like the same way you progress through a video game, like you unlock new levels as you play through new levels mm-hmm. and it's the the graphical style is very much like a video game the animation is very much like a video game you can see like the polygons on some characters and it's uh i highly recommend it but see uh, there's another one like that on netflix uh it's escape the under underkeeper or undertaker hmm. uh i think i would have rather rather done the interaction with battle kitties because the other one was dark you're escaping from something who's just basically trying to bury you uh, yours sounds more fun and enjoyable. It is fun and, and enjoyable. Less, you know, yeah. Um, so we're getting close to the ending. There's one thing I wanted to mention beforehand because you had said it and I didn't know it. Uh, they're making a movie about a Twitter thread. Yeah, um, they've made a, a couple <laughs> actually. Right. Um, yeah. The one that's the most famous is at Zola, which I don't know much about it because I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, but apparently, uh, as far as like the movie. But uh, 
the Twitter thread it's based off of is uh, there was this Twitter at Zola in which this girl would was like sharing on her Twitter this story of how she almost basically got like se- uh, sexually trafficked and um, met like through meeting this girl who she went on vacation with who was like this girl she barely knew and then it led to a whole lot of other stuff. And uh, A24 got a hold of it, and I think some other writer, and they made it into a movie. Uh, I'm not surprised it was A24. Which I thought was super interesting. I'm like, okay. Like, it's because it said that. It's like based off the legendary Twitter thread. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Based off what? That's so weird. But apparently the movie is really good, even though um, I think the original woman who's like the, who uh, was, the person posting on Zola. Twitter, um, she had issues with the movie. Um, I think for like crediting reasons, not so much like hmm. the adaptation, but rather just I don't think they credited her properly, um, her story. Uh, so she had an issue with that. Um, but I hear it's good. Yeah. I did not know that, and I'm so not surprised. A twenty four did it. I'm surprised it exists. But when you mentioned that, I was like, all right, no, okay. I could see them doing that, definitely. Have you guys seen the movie Adaptation? Only once. It's been a long time. Wait, for real? (laughs) Yeah, so Nicolas Cage in it. It's a a movie about a screenwriter trying to adapt a a book. And it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Nicolas Cage plays... Wait, is it Nicholas Cage? Yeah, it's Nicholas Cage. He plays yeah. like two and he versions plays of twins. himself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, it's. I recommend it. I thought you were pulling my leg, but okay. I don't. I'm not a fan of Nicholas Cage too much. <laughs> there's a movie about Nicholas Cage. Yeah, the um, uh, the unbearable weight of tremendous talent of or something like that. Massive talent. Of massive yeah. talent. Um, I want to see it. Do you th- Looks it isn't that technically an ab- adaptation about his life? <laughs> no, he's playing source a materials fake is- version of himself. He's not even playing himself. Right, so it's a fake version of himself. So it's based off his life. It's taking adaption and making him into is, more. Cause- is Curb Your Enthusiasm an adaptation of Larry David's life? A little bit, yeah. His <laughs> life is not that interesting. Seinfeld's Seinfeld adaptation of Seinfeld's life. <laughs> it definitely is, because you're telling me a comedian who barely works was affording that type of apartment in New York City. No. No, thank you, sir. The only adi- I will not buy those eyes. The weirdest adaptations to me, though, even more so than like video games and stuff, or even Twitter threads, is the ones based off board games. Of what? Of well, which? Was another only, one I was going to bring up with Battleship. It's there's just like, only one. Oh, oh, wait, 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 clue. That's the only board game adaptation movie that's actually good. The rest <laughs> of them are so either weird or bad. <laughs> just well, awful. Jumanji. Jumanji wasn't bad. Jumanji yeah, wasn't like a Jumanji. board game before the movie came out. They made the board oh, wait, game after the movie came out. So that's, but it was I an adaptation of yeah. the children's book. Jumanji. Yeah, there's a children's book called so Jumanji. It was an adaptation. There was a children's book? I thought it was based off the board no, game. No, it was a children's book. Then they made the movie. Then they made the board game. <laughs> Same with My whole life is a lie. Yeah, is that uh no. Zathura? I never thought about that. Yeah. Zathura? I never good. thought about yeah, Zathura. Yeah, Zathura never really caught on. It wasn't as good as Jumanji. It was still good though. 
I enjoyed I the movie. <laughs> I thought the movie was cute. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I know. I, I especially the part in Battleship where they have the buoys and the buoys become like, <laughs> yeah, shoot a missile at J eighteen, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> So did they graph the whole ocean? Yes, they graph the ocean with buoys and they label them like the like the board game. I want them to see. I want to see an adaptation of XO. I feel like they can find a way to do that properly. X and X and O, uh, like tic tac toe. Yeah, yeah, tic tac toe. I uh, I am curious to see. Well, it's funny because uh, Vin Diesel apparently wants to do an adaptation of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, in which they already did that. It was called Real Steel. See, well, here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, I was like, wasn't no, no, there already no, no. See, a robot fighting? The movie? movie is going to be about this father who is trying to connect with his like estranged son uh, during a time where robots fight each other. Now I know what you're thinking. That's just a description of Real Steel. But what you don't know <laughs> is that that's also the same exact description of the Rakasaka Robots <laughs> movie. And I was like, that movie exists. Why are you wasting time? The only difference is you that the Rock'em Sock'em robots are supposed to be war bots. They're not going to be boxers. They're going to be like uh, war robots is the only so difference. So it's not really Rock'em Sock'em. Right, because they already did it and it's called Real Steel. You know what? Honestly, I would honestly, somebody with a kind of an estranged father, you don't have to go through those lanes. Just a phone call a week. You're good. That's like all that's required. All right, as somebody speaking with what just a phone call a week, you really don't have to build giant. Ro- In fact, take that time you bu- you're building these weird robots. Nice dinner. That's all you gotta do. Well, it's also, there was one. there was like a gag in one of the Toy Story movies that involved some Rock'em Soccer robots, and it was like the best adaptation you needed because they just like were like talking and gotten an argument. And yeah, started fighting. start fight. Which I I was thrown for a loop when I read that article about Vin Diesel because I was like. What are you talking about? I thought we already made that movie because it's called Real Steel. <laughs> like it's about robots boxing. That's all Rock of Soccer Robots is. You're telling me that wasn't the Rock of- and then I looked it up. Apparently it's not. It's just an original story about robots. <laughs> well, it's boxing. not really an original. It's not original. supposed to be. Clearly it's not an original story. Well, it's story. not it's not based off Rock of Soccer Robots. It's just they just like a person just wanted to tell a story about boxing robots one day and it just so happens to line up. With the fact that they're making a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Well, just wait till the end of the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie when it introduces Hugh Jackman's character from Real Steel <laughs> into the movie. And it's a whole expanded universe. The whole thing blows up. <laughs> Funny enough, uh, the only board, the only like toy turned into uh, a movie that I would be cool with seeing is Hot Wheels. Which I know sure. those are probably just Fast and Furious movies, but that just be NASCAR. No, NASCAR's different. <laughs> Hot Wheels cars are like things that could never cool. be real cars. Like, like yeah. they, the way their design is, you would you, not drive uh, that down the street. <laughs> okay, then yeah, like Fast and the Furious, you wouldn't Fast and Furious drive is a the car, closest you know, it would a be. rocket ship. They made a car into a rocket but ship. I just want to see like them ride down that like crazy track, like in that in Green Lantern when he like has the car. In fact, that Green Lantern scene became a Hot Wheels track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I want to see that. But like more, but like a whole movie of just like Hot Wheels yeah. driving down crazy tracks and like volcanoes and stuff. 
It may- There's got to be some direct-to-DVD Hot Wheels movies. Oh, there are plenty of cartoon I'm- direct-to-DVD Hot Wheels movies. Oh, you want like a live-action live thing action going one. on? I want one that's real. <laughs> I feel like that budget would be a little bit much. Yeah. Probably. Wait, wouldn't that actually be kind of uh, Transformers? Because they're still driving those like... No, because the cars don't become anything else. They they're do- just cars. <laughs> they, they don't become nothing else. So it's like part of Transformers. <laughs> the, the crazy cars that are not street legal. Yeah, the only adaptation... It's Transformers meets uh, Fast and Furious. Do you think toys technically are considered adaptation? Because, I think so. Well, like, because, like the upcoming Barbie movie, that's uh, that's an adaptation I, I guess that's Barbie. true. Because I'm thinking about, like for example, the Lego movie. Where like Legos are just like a franchise of just a bunch of other franchises mm-hmm. into a toy. Well, it didn't used to be. And didn't used to be. Well, yeah, was they, but and there are there are like original Lego sets still that are not based off of anything. Yeah, Legoland. Legoland is an adaption of Legos. <laughs> Makes it into a whole <laughs> I mean, magical no, land. That's, that's true. I mean, I would <laughs> I would I would say that the Avatar theme park is an adaptation of the Avatar movie. <laughs> Come to life. I want to go to Legoland. I think it would be so much. Fun. Real quick. I know this is <laughs> this Legos. is off topic, but I feel like we're not going to have another time we talk about it. So let's talk about it right now. <laughs> Did y'all see the Avatar two trailer? <laughs> I did see it when I went to see Doctor Strange. <laughs> I did not, um, but I have seen the posters. They look very human, almost. And there's a lot. It's a lot brighter blue this time. Well, you know, new technology. I mean, it looked good back then, and it still holds up now. But it looks even better now. I was impressed. Like, cause I, uh, it's playing. So when you go see it, see Doctor Strange, Alex, you'll see it in theaters because it's playing. That was like the big news story is like, if you're going to see Doctor Strange 2 in theaters, be prepared for the Avatar 2 trailer. And they played it in theaters for all of two days until they released it (laughs) into the internet. (laughs) Um, But I appreciate that. I thought that was kind of cool. But um, I watched it and I was just like, I'm not going to lie. It looks good. I like not not in the sense of like, I'm excited for the story because I don't know what the story is. There's no story in this trailer. But I mean, as far as visuals, it looks good. It looks like gorgeous. Even the underwater scenes look beautiful. I was like, man, I'll be damned. I might just see this movie just to see how it looks on screen, like as a full movie. <laughs> I thought it looked fine. <laughs> I'm, I wasn't a fan of the first Avatar, honestly. And I feel like I'm going to end up just being suckered into watching this see, one, either for a review or yeah, because one true. of our friends is going to be like, it. hey, do you want to go see it? And I'm like, well, I am due to like socially be around people. It is about like my tune up time to be around people. So like, yeah, I'll go with you. Well, I mean, when I watched the first Avatar, I only watched it because I had no interest in seeing it until all my friends at school came back and they were like, yeah, you gotta watch Avatar. It looks so cool. Like it, it, we watched it in 3D. It looks so good. And I was like, all right, well, let me go see what it looks like in 3D. And I watched it, and I was like, this does look good. This is incredible. So I'm like, <laughs> if I like, so it's not like I was watching the first one for story anyway. So I have no problem buying a ticket for the second one just to see how it looks in 3D. If it looks good or not. Yeah, my best friend at the time, she was like, oh, we gotta go see this. We gotta go see this. My first thought was, it's four hours long. You're gonna make me sit in a theater for four hours? <laughs> it was three and hours. It was three hours, it, but it was like it over. Like it was four. like almost no, it four. No, it felt like four. I'm not, gonna, like four. I'm not gonna hold you. 
It felt like four. I watched the whole thing. She fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> so I had like a friend drooling on my shoulder as I'm like watching the movie. And I'm like, all right, it's it's very pretty, but like I did not enjoy the story at all. I didn't enjoy the movie. I mean, all, it, it just looks so incredible. Like I I mean, even better than Lion King, and I thought Lion King looked good. Um this movie has like impressed me thoroughly. I mean, it's James Cameron, so instantly the visuals are already going to be there. I even love the uh, visuals for Elite Battle Angel too, and he did that or helped produce it anyway. So mm-hmm. that was a, it was a given that it was going to look good. I just didn't anticipate how much I was like even the underwater scenes, the way the hair flows and all the creatures and stuff, the textures. I was just like, God damn! Like you done did it again. <laughs> it was like. This feels like when oh, you no, like the movie's gonna look good, yeah. Like when you feel this, I agree. I was like, is this what it feels like when like you like you know eat eat like eat a really good dish from an amazing chef, and then you go and someone else cooks it, and it's still good, but then the original person comes back, and you're like, oh, I forgot how good this tastes <laughs> when 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 the master cooked it. Like the apprentice is good, but you when you cook it, it's it's a whole different other experience. <laughs> See, that one I could relate more with because there's a dish I can only properly get in Chicago. I make it at home or I have somebody else make it. It's good, but it's nothing like over there. Mm-hmm. Over there, it's perfect. That's Avatar 2. Right. It's the original pizza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, time to wrap up and I'm going to go eat dinner after this too now. Because yeah. I know. Uh, about food. So... Uh, yeah, comment below, audience. Tell us, A, what are your favorite adaptations and what your thoughts are on adaptation? Do you think uh, if it's really faithful, that's what you want? Or do you prefer when they like divert and do something original and different? I mean, heck, we got a whole Lord of the Rings series coming that ain't got nothing to do with these books. They're going to just start doing whatever they want to do. So, <laughs> you know, could be fun. It could be interesting. So comment below. Tell us what you think. Um uh, also, want to thank you, Kaylin, for being here to be a part of this discussion, being a guest course, on our yeah, podcast. Thank you. Uh, do you have I anything? I was able to adapt my schedule. <laughs> the the juice is gone. <laughs> it still made me cringe. If that helps. Socials. Let's uh, let's. We'll start with you, Kaylin. We'll start with the guest. Oh sure. Uh, do you have anything uh, yes, you want to plug is... and stuff? My name is Kayla Knowles. Uh, that's also my Instagram, K-A-L-E-N-K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You can see my art uh, and I, other links you can find there. You can just Google my name also. I'm out there. That's it. That's all my social media. My my favorite of your artwork is your stick figures. Like, I would enjoy yes, that every which morning. there is a book I, version, folks. If you want to buy do, the book version I of do. the stick figure comics... It's out there. Stick guys, stick forms. Stick Here forms. it is. If you're watching, Would, listeners, too bad. You're missing out. Wow. Which I still need to pick up a copy. I just haven't had time. So, no like, put one to the side for me. And you're supposed to sign it, too. <laughs> I have a large stack next to me. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Jerome? Where are we finding uh, you? You can find me at not Jerome Rett on Instagram, uh, as well as at RoboZooMedia, and at Jerome the underscore the underscore show to find out more about what I got going on creatively. Um, and also uh, in regards to following the first ones to die, 
you can follow us everywhere at the first ones to die on all our social medias as well as on all our ad- audio platforms and on youtube as well at the first ones to die to find all types of extra content like mini reviews book reviews video versions of all the podcasts and so much other stuff that you can find there as well and alex and speaking of the well, speaking of the book reviews, uh, I just recently got the next one. It's the Hacienda, which kind of bothers me because it's supposed to be La Hacienda. And it's just like, anyway, The Hacienda by Isabella Canas. Uh, it looks already to be like a good book. So I'm excited to review it with Jonathan. And Jonathan, who is our other host, you can find him at Jonathan Keys on Instagram and Twitter, wherever you please. Remember. Um, <laughs> and you can find me at Alex and Nobody on TikTok on instagram those are mainly the two i am on and we are hopefully starting to build up our twitch now which alex and nobody is my twitch name as well i'm gonna go try playing some random games probably some scary ones because i love being scared but you can also find the first ones that i at twitch too where hopefully we will be playing more games yep i don't know what the first game will be but i'm thinking it's gonna be uh, possibly inside uh, just because I've been dying yes. to play that game. Oh so. my gosh, yes. Uh, I, love I have no idea so what that is, but I will play it. <laughs> One of my favorite games of all time. Well, it's only single player. Galen, maybe you can play with we us. Can, we can be together and y'all can commentate as I, because I have it on my computer already. <laughs> I already bought it. So y'all can y'all can be present. Well, I can just come over to your place and take over. I That's mean, true. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm down I'm, to I'm have- pretty dominant force. I'm down to have video game night where we just like, like I'm sure I will die plenty of times. So we will swap sticks. As, the, as we used to say back back in the day, if you guys are if you guys start streaming I, inside, I'll be in the comments. Just be like, cool. Oh, this part's cool. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> if you could like also comment about what I should be doing, <laughs> no, that would also. Oh, come on. <laughs> when you die, I'll go, to help me. If you die, I'll just laugh. Uh, but uh, like, <laughs> I'm sure you and many will. But yeah, next week, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Tune in. We're going to have Jonathan here. I don't know if we'll have a special guest, but if we do, you'll see them (laughs) or hear them. (laughs) So um, tune in next week for that. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.